My brother bishops, praise be Jesus Christ. It is very clear that we've got a lot on our plate as we commence our meeting this morning. Urgent issues very worthy of our solicitude as pastors. Uh, the suffering in the vast areas not far from here caused by the hurricane two weeks ago. The imperative of the new evangelization, the, uh, the invitation offered by the year of faith. And our continued dialogue, engagement, and prophetic challenge to our culture over compelling issues such as the protection of human life, the defense of marriage, the promotion of human dignity in the lives of the poor, the immigrant, and those in danger from war and persecution throughout the world, and our continued efforts to defend our first and most cherished freedom. All issues calling for our renewed and enthusiastic commitment. But I stand before you this morning simply to say, first things first. Because we gather, first and foremost, as disciples of, as friends of, as believers in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the way, the truth, and the life, who exhorted us precisely to seek first the kingdom of God. We cannot engage culture unless we first let him engage us. We cannot dialogue with others unless we first dialogue with him. And we cannot challenge unless we first allow him to challenge us. The venerable servant of God, Fulton J. Sheen, once commented, the first word of Jesus in the gospel was, come. The last word of Jesus was go. Fifty years ago, on October 11, 1962, Blessed John XXIII courageously convened the Second Vatican Council, the greatest concern of which, he insisted, is that the sacred deposit of Christian doctrine should be guarded and taught more efficaciously. We gather for our plenary assembly in our nation's premier see at the close of the 13th Ordinary General Synod of Bishops, still near the beginning of the year of faith. Both occasions have the same origin and the same goal as expressed by Blessed John XXIII, the effective transmission of the faith for the transformation of the world. A year ago, remember, we began our visits ad limina, Petri et Pauli. I know you join me in expressing deep gratitude for the extraordinary affection, warmth, and fraternal care with which Pope Benedict XVI welcomed us in Rome. But Pope Benedict did not stop with his gracious hospitality, no. He also gave us plenty of fatherly advice for our ministry as pastors of the church and our personal role in the new evangelization. And here's an especially striking example from his first ad limina address. Evangelization, the successor of St. Peter noted, appears not simply a task to be undertaken ad extra, we ourselves, we bishops ourselves, are the first to need re-evangelization. As with all spiritual crises, whether of individuals or communities, we know that the ultimate answer can only be born of a searching, critical, and ongoing self-assessment and, con and conversion in the light of Christ's truth. And as we bishops at the just concluded Synod of Bishops confessed 
and our closing message, including six of us from this conference, we, however, should never think that the new evangelization does not concern us as bishops personally. In these very days of the Synod, voices among the bishops were raised to recall that the church must first of all heed the word before she can evangelize the world. The invitation to evangelize becomes a call to conversion. We bishops firmly believe that we must convert ourselves first to the power of Jesus Christ, who alone can make all things new, above all, our own poor existence. With humility, we recognize that the poverty and weakness of Jesus' disciples, especially us, his ministers, weigh on the very credibility of the mission. We're certainly aware, we bishops first of all, that we can never really be equal to the Lord's calling and mandate to proclaim his gospel to the nations. We do not hesitate to recognize our personal sins. We are, however, also convinced, the Synod concludes, that the Lord's Spirit is capable of renewing his church and rendering her garment resplendent if we let him mold us. This new evangelization, brothers, reminds us that the very agents of evangelization, including you and me, will never achieve that abundant harvest Blessed John the 23rd described unless we're first, we are willing and eager to first be evangelized ourselves. Only those themselves first evangelized can then evangelize, right? As St. Bernard put it so well, if you want to be a channel, you must first be a reservoir. And what I would suggest this morning, that this reservoir of our lives and ministry, when it comes especially the new evangelization, must first be filled with the spirit of interior conversion born of our own renewal. That's the way we become channels of a truly effective transformation of the world, through our own witness of a repentant heart. And I suggest that begins with our own full embrace of the sacrament of penance. To believers also, the church must ever preach faith and penance, declared the Council Fathers in the very first of the documents to appear, the Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy. The sacrament of reconciliation, as the Holy Father has stated, evangelizes the evangelizers, as it brings us sacramentally into contact with Jesus, who calls us to conversion of heart and allows us to answer his invitation to repentance, a repentance from within that can then transform the world without. What an irony that despite the call of the Second Vatican Council for a renewal of the, of the sacrament of penance, what we got instead was its near disappearance. We became very good in the years following the Council in calling for the reform of structures, systems, institutions, and people other than ourselves. That too is important and can transform our society and world. But in no way can the new evangelization be reduced to a, a program, a process, or a call to structural reform. It is first and foremost a deeply spiritual personal conversion within. The kingdom of God is within, as Jesus taught us. So the premier answer to the question, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the church? Is not 
politics, the economy, secularism, sectarian, secularism, globalization, global warning, none of these as significant as they are. As Chesterton wrote, the answer to the question, what's wrong with the world, is two words. I am. I am. Admitting that leads to conversion of heart and repentance, the very marrow of the gospel invitation. I remember the insightful words of a holy priest well known to many of us from his long apostolate to priests and seminarians in Rome, Monsignor Charles Elmer, wondering aloud from time to time if following the close of the consul, we had sadly become a church that forgot how to kneel. His words that forgot how to kneel. If we want the new evangelization to work, it is going to start on our knees. Remember a few, few years back, brothers, when Cardinal Cahill Daly led us in our June retreat? Speaking somberly of the church in his home country, he observed, the church in Ireland is in the dirt on her knees. And then he paused and he concluded, and maybe that's where the church is at her best. We kneel in the sacrament of penance because we are profoundly sorry for our faults and our sins serious obstacles to the new evangelization, but then we stand forgiven, resolute to return to the work entrusted to us as evangelizers of the gospel of mercy. I recall a, a conversation about a year ago with one of our brother bishops who had just was newly consecrated and who was attending his first plenary session of this august body. I asked his impressions of the meeting to my relief, he said, oh, it was well organized, it was informative, it was enjoyable. But then he went on to observe that it was one moment in particular that had the greatest impact on him. Guess what it was? It was during our closing holy hour as he entered the large room next to the chapel and he saw dozens and dozens of brother bishops lined up to approach the sacrament of penance. This new bishop told me that he felt at that moment uh, more influence and spiritual grace coming upon him than anything else at the meeting. Who can forget the prophetic words of repentance from Blessed John Paul II during the Great Jubilee, remember? As he expressed contrition publicly and repeatedly for the sins of the past, he'd mentioned the slave trade, the horrors of the Holocaust, the, the death and destruction wrought by the Crusades, the injustices of the conquest of the new world and the violence of religious wars, only to name a few. I remember during the celebration of the 50th International Eucharistic Congress in Ireland last June when Cardinal Mark Willett, the papal legate, expressed this so forcefully as he spoke on behalf of the Holy Father at the penitential shrine of St. Patrick's Purgatory. Cardinal Willett said, I come here with the specific intention of seeking forgiveness from God and from the victims for the grave sin of sexual abuse of children by clerics. In the name of the church, I apologize once again to the victims, some of whom I've met here at Loch Derg. And so it turns to us, my brothers, how will we make this year of faith a time to renew the sacrament of penance in our own lives and in the lives of the beloved people whom we're honored to serve? Once again this week, we're going to approach the sacrament of penance at the conclusion of our meeting. And we'll also have the opportunity during this week to approve a, a simple, sincere pastoral invitation to all of our faithful to join us in renewing our appreciation for and our use of this powerful sacrament.
will keep the lights on during the upcoming Advent season. The work of our conference uh, during this coming year that we're going to talk about the next couple days includes reflections on re-embracing Friday as a particular day of penance, including the possible re-invitation of abstinence on all Fridays of the year, not just during Lent. Our pastoral plan offers numerous resources for catechesis on the sacrament of penance uh, and the manifold graces that come to us from the frequent use of confession. Next June, we'll gather in a special assembly as brother bishops to pray and reflect upon the mission entrusted to us by the church, including our witness to personal conversion in Jesus Christ and so to the new evangelization. And most of all, we work at giving our people good examples of humble, repentant, contrite pastors, aware of our own personal and corporate sins, constantly responding to the call of Jesus to interior conversion. Remember the story of the Curie of Ars when a concerned group of his worried supporters came to him with a stinging protest letter from a number of his parishioners demanding the bishop to remove John Vianney as their cure, claiming he was a sinner, he was ignorant, he was awkward. St. John Vianney took the letter, read it carefully, and signed the petition. <clears throat> as I began my talk this morning, my brothers, so I'd like to end it with Blessed John the 23rd. It was the Sunday Angelus of October 28th. 1962. The message the Holy Father delivered on that bright Roman afternoon never even mentions the new evangelization, but does it ever strike right at the heart of the mission entrusted to each of us as shepherds? Listen, John the 23rd said, I feel something touching my spirit. It leads to serenity. The word of the gospel isn't silent. It resonates from one end of the world to the other and finds the way of the heart. Dangers and sorrows, human prudence and wisdom, everything needs to dissolve into one song of love, into a renewed invitation pleading all to desire and wish the establishment of the kingdom of Christ, a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. How could we not see this still alive in those holy men and women of every time and place? the heroic evangelizers of our faith, including most recently St. Catherine and St. Mary Ann Cope. We've held it, have we not? We've, we've beheld it in the church's unrelenting corporal and spiritual works of mercy, in the heroic witness of persecuted Christians, in the church's defense of unborn human life, the care of our elders and the terminally ill, advocacy for the unemployed, those in poverty, and our immigrant brothers and sisters, victims of terror and violence throughout the world of all faiths and creeds, and on our defense of religious freedom, marriage, and family. And I've suggested today that as we come and go in response to the invitation of Jesus, that's a work that might begin with the sacrament of penance. This is the sacrament of the new evangelization, for as Pope Benedict reminds us, we cannot speak about the new evangelization without a, without a sincere personal desire to interior conversion. With this as my presidential address, I know I risk criticism. I can hear it now. With all the controversies and burning matters for the church right now, 
Dolan speaks of conversion of heart through the sacrament of penance. Can you believe it? To which I reply, you better believe it. First things first. Thank you. Thank <clears throat> you.